0: Amen. Okay, are you guys ready? I'm excited. We're starting a new series this morning called Church Family, and it would have been better called Church Family Business, but that was just a little too long. Uh, But Church Family Business, the idea being that we're going to just talk about some things that specifically relate to One Life Church. Uh, From time to time, I like to spend some time talking about things that relate to us specifically as a church. Uh, maybe some directional things as far as where we're going, you know, some vision, some things we've got coming up in the future. Uh, just some things that I've seen uh, in the past few years as a pastor that maybe need to be addressed and talked about as a church family. So um, if you're watching online, listening in or maybe you're visiting this morning, uh, you're you're welcome to participate, but it's it's really more for our church family, people that call this their their home, um, even though I think it'll benefit everybody hey Richard you mind turning me down just a little bit get that ringing out of my ear so the reason we're doing this series is because uh, from time to time some things have to be uh, addressed like in a normal family you know if you're if you're in a normal family a functional healthy family you're gonna have things that come up that you have to talk about and have to deal with and that's a good thing that's a that's a good and healthy part of marriage in a dysfunctional family you can't ever talk about anything did, uh, did any of you get raised in a family like that where everything just kind of got swept under the rug and nothing was ever talked about because it was going to end in a big blow-up fight, you know? Uh, well, that's not normal and, and healthy. You know, even though it might be normal, it's not healthy. It's certainly not functional. That's not how it should be. And so from time to time, as a church family, we've got to talk about a few things, and we're going to be doing that in this series. So keep in mind, uh, when we do a series like this, uh, and maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But there could be a few things that are a little uncomfortable or step on a few people's toes or, or whatever. And then you know. But we're all adults and we can handle that, right? Okay, I thought so. So first thing I want to talk to you about this morning uh, in week one is we're just going to talk about a few church culture issues uh, about One Life. Just a few things about the One Life church culture that if you've been here for any amount of time, you probably already know. But if you're just Coming, Maybe you're not quite as aware of it, and so I'm just going to go through a few things, and I want to talk to you about some decisions that we made early on as a church. The very first decision that we made when we started One Life Church is we decided that we would exist to please God, and that is opposed to and in opposition to pleasing man. And we decided that we would start the church, we would run the church, govern the church, make decisions that pleased God, and that being the driving force and the driving factor, not pleasing man. And you may think, well, that's, uh, that's a given, right? Every church runs that way. No, definitely not. As a matter of fact, what happens with most churches is it gets flipped Even if it's not on purpose, it's what ends up happening. Pleasing man, pleasing people, pleasing those people even that are in the church becomes the driving force for every decision and how things are done and how things are made. We decided very early on that we would not do that. And that if people got mad, but God was happy, we were okay with that. We decided that we would focus and make decisions based on what does God want. Well, in order to do that, we've got to be real familiar with His word, and we've got to spend a lot of time with God, seeking God, praying for the church, and praying for direction. And uh, sometimes what God wants and what man wants are in opposition. You know, sometimes the direction of the church is not necessarily the direction that a person in the church wants the church to go. Let me give you an example. I heard a pastor say this one time. He said, Every person that walks through the door of your church has a vision for your church. In other words, every person that walks into a church has an idea of what that church should be, what that church should be doing, who that pastor should be and what that pastor should be like, what the staff should be like, what the youth pastor should be like, the things we should be doing and not doing. Every single person that walks into church, especially if they have a church background, has that idea of what they think things should be. Uh, how many of you know if, if I were led by that this would be an odd church? If we're just, because also people's opinions of what should be done are changing constantly. But the one constant is God. The one constant and the one, the one thing that is stable is what God wants. I believe that, that God planted this church. That God wanted this church planted and so the way that I function and operate and think is I work for God and I I, I I live to serve God when I was a teenager and I gave my life to God that was the driving force was Lord I want to serve you whatever whatever you want and there are plenty of times since this ministry has existed that I felt like the Lord was leading us one way but it wasn't necessarily what everyone wanted well in in that case we have to go with what God wants when I say we decided that we would exist to please God not man it also means that uh, we're going to be extremely faithful to God's Word meaning the things that we talk about the things that are preached the truth that comes out of the pulpit is going to be faithful and consistent with the Word of God no matter how people receive it or don't receive it in other words we're going to talk about topics and we're going to give the biblical stance and the, the biblical view on those topics no matter what culture thinks about it. No matter what a person thinks about it. Uh, because the Bible is constant. It never changes. The truth has never changed. Now, of course, through generations, uh, opinions, cultural opinions on that will change. In one generation, uh, they may think... You know, sex outside of marriage is good. In another, they may think, no, that's a that's a bad thing. or in another generation, they may have this opinion. And then ten years later they may think this. Uh, but but the word of God is constant. So a church that exists to please God is not moved by every wave of opinion of the culture. A church that exists to please God is going to is going to preach what is in line with His word. And what God wants, regardless of what the culture or regardless of what man thinks about it. And let me just tell you that uh, that's a little harder than it sounds. It's a little harder to do than it sounds because uh, you know, whenever people are in the church and people are coming to the church, you know, it's it's also tied financially, right? When people come to a church, they bring their finances with them. You need finances to operate a church. And so if people leave because they don't like what you're saying, guess what? Their finances leave with it. Leave with them. And so if it's tied to that, it's very easy for a person to change and adjust and dial back what they're saying because you don't want to run people off. Well, if you do that, you're not being faithful to God and His Word. So you have to be free from that. And you have to be, you have to be so committed to God that that's not the biggest and the top concern. Acts chapter 4 Verse 18, the apostles ran into this very early on. Those leaders and elders and more experienced people in the uh, church world called in the apostles in verse 18, Acts 4.18. It says, so they called them in and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, Rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot, speak of what we, have, uh, we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. Meaning, we cannot speak but of what we have seen and heard, actually, is what it says. And so, what they were asking him to do is don't preach in the name of Jesus because it's divisive. We all serve this, this is what they were telling him. We all serve the same God. Why you got to bring in this Jesus stuff and, and mess up the whole thing? You need to quit doing that. And they were threatening them. They were threatening them, saying, if you don't, we're going to put you in jail. There may be, they got beat for this many times. And they had to stand up in the face of that and say, look, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or to him, you're going to have to judge, but we are going to serve God. And we're going to speak what is necessary. And let me just tell you this about a lot of uh, churches, a church, church culture, and the church world. There are many churches even in America uh, that have not even experienced a lot of persecution they've not even experienced a lot of resistance and they're already changing on this they're already soft on issues that they ought to be straightforward on and there's not even this kind of persecution that he's talking about what do you think is going to happen as it gets harder and harder and harder in this nation to preach the true word of God there's going to be more churches that cave into popular culture as the culture says hey be quiet don't talk about that don't address that don't speak truth on that can't we just all get along and love wasn't Jesus all about love and unity why you got to talk about those divisive topics well I got news for you the Bible is a divisive book it was even Jesus that said that I don't come to unify he said I come to divide he said, actually, a, a, a son against their mother, a son against their father will be divided over the issues that are in this, this book. And truth always divides because you're going to have people on either side of it. You're going to have people that believe the truth and people that don't. So we just made a decision early on. We, we exist to please God, whether that means success or failure. A lot of churches, the way that the the temptation is, the way that they could operate is to be successful. And how do you measure success? Well, by the number of people you have. How big the church grows, how many people come, how many campuses you have. You know, it just keeps growing growing. and growing. And and it's looked at almost like a business in that it's successful if it grows. Well, the the problem with that is uh, sometimes the things that you're doing in order to grow are not in line with the Word of God. So I'm all for growth, of course I want the church to grow, because I want to reach as many people for po- as possible for the kingdom of God. So of course we want the church to grow, but it's not what drives the decision making. We don't even ask that question anymore. I'm not saying in the beginning we didn't, but we don't even ask that question anymore. Will this make the church grow? The, the first question we ask is, will this please God? Is this pleasing to God? That's what we want to know. Whether it leads to growth or not is irrelevant ir- Irrelevant, because sometimes the thing that you need to do to please God may lead to the church shrinking, <laughs> right? I mean, if I, if I could stand up here and say some things today, that would probably run a few people off, <laughs> even though they were true, okay? So I, I don't. We don't, want, we don't want to intentionally do that, you know, just to be abrasive and, and things like that, but... Our focus is to please God, not to grow the church and not to please man, uh, whatever the consequence of that is okay if, if in pleasing God uh, and, and following God uh, it runs a lot of people off or, or it runs the church into the ground that 's what we 're going to do because we 're going to follow God and we 're going to be faithful to His word. You see this throughout scripture, even in in jesus 's ministry there were times where there were thousands of people following him. Everybody loved him. He was the most popular person in town until he said that one thing that ran everybody off, right? And everybody loved Jesus. And, and he knew they weren't following him for the right reasons. And he even turned around to him sometimes. He said, the only reason you're all following here is because, you, because I turned the loaves into bread, you know, and multiplied it, the loaves into fishes. And he said, I multiplied. That's the only reason you're here is you're looking for another lunch. That was what he, what he was saying. And he said, so let me just tell you this, and he went on to explain that uh, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be a child of God. They didn't understand that, and every one of them left them except the disciples. He did that why? To separate, to divide, the, the, the reason why you really here. So the point of how a church should operate is God doesn't need, God doesn't need churches on this planet that are serving man. He needs churches on this planet that are serving Him and, and, and not afraid to say the things that need to be said and do the things that need to be done whatever whatever the cost. Amen? Amen. Acts 5 27, same similar situation uh, same thing priests bring them in, high priest brings them in. He says and when they had brought them they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying we strictly charged you not to teach in His name Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intended to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. In other words, we will not be moved by what you are saying. We will serve God. So what does this look like? How does this manifest itself in the church? Well, number one is the preaching. You know, number one, like like we, I'm not going to really belabor that point. We've already talked about it. But it's, it's going to affect the way that the message comes out and the biggest concern again not trying to be purposely brash or purposely offensive but the biggest concern is not is this gonna make somebody mad is this gonna upset someone is this going to be uh, you know culturally sensitive or politically correct that's not the biggest concern uh, the biggest concern is again what does God want said and if you read the book by the way if you read the book, you will find a massive amount of offensive things in there. Things that are very hard to hear, that don't line up with culture at all. And, and God didn't seem to care. He put it there anyway because it was, it was truth. And so what I found out early on is that when people get mad uh, or upset because of something that I said, they're not really mad at me. They don't like what God said. Now, if I say something that's not in line with Scripture, that's a, that's a whole different thing. But if, I, if all I'm doing is repeating what Scripture says, I don't, I don't really care if a person is upset because they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting God. So if, if a person is on the wrong side of an issue that the Bible speaks clearly about, that's between you and God. And you know what the appropriate response is? Not to get mad, to repent. To repent for being out of line with how God sees something and how... Uh, you have caved and listened to the culture more than you've listened to God. So it's going to manifest, number one, how we, how we preach. Number two, it's going, to, it's going to manifest in just how we lead in general decisions that we make. It's not led by popular winds or what the trendy thing is or what the, you know, uh, the biggest giver in the church wants or the most influential person in the church wants. That, that's, a church should never be led like that. A church should never be led like that. By, by the way, one time we had uh, a person in our church, it, and he it was a very influential person, very big giver in the church, and it wasn't just one person, it was really several families. And I remember he asked to meet with me, and he was telling me, you know, I don't like this and this, that, and, th- you know, I think we should change this and that thing or the other. And I just basically looked at him, I said, well, uh, you know, I said, this is how we do things. And you know we have a board of directors that are involved that help us make these decisions, and this is the direction that we've chosen to go, and you know it's what we're going to be doing. And he said, uh, "Well, if that's the case, then uh, you know I'm going to leave the church." And I said, "Well, I, I hate to hear that, but you, you'll have to you have to leave the church." And what he actually said was, he said, "You know, I just feel like, you know, you need this kind of authority and this kind of thing in your in your life, etc." and I said the, the issue is is that I do have that it's called our board of directors your problem is it's not you that's the problem but that's there it just wasn't you and you were upset about it so it's gonna change how we lead it's gonna change the way that we do things we don't make decisions in the church based on how much money people give how influential people are how long they've been around how many families they have in the church. We don't make decisions based on that. Uh, now, everybody's feedback matters, but all feedback is not created equal, if you know what I mean, uh, because the source matters. You know, So, for example, we have in our church people that have been around us. Man, some people in this church have been from the very beginning, you know, almost 13 years, faithful, loyal, committed, serving, helping. Well, yeah, feedback from a person like that is going to carry more weight than somebody that's been around for six months. That's just common sense. Uh, you know people that are on our life group leadership team that they're life group leaders in our church and they're helping pastor and lead the church. Yeah the feedback there is going to be really significant and really important. Uh, everybody's feedback matters. We actually welcome all feedback. You know I, I like to hear if there was an issue in the kids department on a Sunday or if there we, we love to hear that but just keep in mind uh, all feedback is not creative equal because it, dep- it matters on the on the source and ultimately we're going to do and lead the way God has instructed us to lead and trust me by the way trust me you don't want a church being led any other way I promise you because if a pastor is led by every opinion that's in the church uh, that's going to be a very dysfunctional church because and as a matter of fact it was the thing that disqualified many leaders in Scripture think about Saul God had something Saul he wanted Saul to do and he didn't do it why he said because of the people and when God came he said this is the very thing that's disqualified you from being king he said you can't be king because you you cared more about what the people wanted than what than what I wanted Uh, also keep this in mind uh, in a church, in any church, a healthy church, big church, growing church, small church. Uh, the people that are in the church sometimes come and go. You know, like I said, there are people that are here from the beginning and, and have been here. Uh, but then there's, a, there's another portion, or you could say percentage of the church, that's like a revolving door because people, they come, they check it out. Maybe they stay for a few months and they find something they don't like about me or they don't like about you. Uh, or they don't like about the music or whatever it is, or maybe they just move, you know, maybe they, the job changes or whatever, and they, they move on. That's fine. That's a normal part of church life because you, you have people come in to be a part of the church for a while, and it doesn't last, and then they leave for whatever reason, um, and that's not a so that's not a good group of people to be making the decisions on is what Every little decision or every little opinion that they have about how the church should be. I found this out. Some of the people that have the loudest voices about the way things should be won't even be around in three months. Can you imagine? We make a decision. Oh, oh they want this. We did three months. They're not even here. Nobody else wanted that but you. We did the whole thing for you. Now you're gone. That's not a good way to lead a church. Um, that's, that's not a good way at all. So the best thing is, like we said, to follow the Lord. Let him lead God and direct it. So, we decided number one that we would exist to please God. That's how this church operates. That's how I think. That's how we do things. And that's going to show up in a lot, a lot of ways. And I think, and I thank God for the people in this church that think like that and understand that and pray for us and pray for our church and pray that man God would have his way. This church doesn't exist to meet my every little whim or your every little whim. This church exists to complete and fulfill the mission of God. And and, and so many times churches get bogged down in all the little needs of every little person. Oh, this person wants that, and oh, we need this ministry. Hey, if we get bogged down in that, we're going to miss the bigger picture of what God wants. And as a person matures, what they begin to understand is this church is it's not all about me. It's about God and what he wants. But most people don't pick a church that way. Most people, when they pick a church, it's go, well, does it have everything I want? You know, how does it meet my needs, my family's needs? And, and that's okay. But you got to understand that as you mature and grow, it becomes less about you and more about God. That's what maturity is. Number two, we decided when we started the church that we wanted to be around for a long time. So, talking about longevity, we didn't want to be the fastest growing church, the, the church that, you know, reached 300 the fastest and quickest. I had a lot of friends that were planting churches at the same time we were planting our church. And everybody at that time was talking about launching churches, you know, like a rocket launching churches. Nobody, nobody was planting churches anymore. They were launching churches, and before they would ever have their first service, they wanted to have 200, 300 people that there was just all this marketing and building teams, and and so that at the very first service, there's like 300 people, and it just explodes, and it just goes, and in the beginning, not thinking like I think today, that was sort of attractive to me, and I was like, okay, well, that's how people are doing it. Let's look into that, and the more we went that direction, the more God said, that is not what I want you to do not judging what everybody else is doing just but for you that is not what I what I want and so we took the opposite approach was we started in a hotel we didn't really tell anybody and there was about you know five or six people there and that was just how it started And it grew, and it grew from there to where it is today Um, but as I the longer that we pastored this church the more wisdom I saw in that the more I understood why that was a much better approach for us for so many reasons that we don't have we don't have time to get into this morning but if you look at nature it actually makes sense because you, in nature things that grow slow usually die slow they, they live longer things that are quick and just shoot up like a weed they usually die quickly and they're gone they're gone quickly um, and this is a principle as well because anything that grows slowly you have time to work on the foundation in the root system and get it right so that it can be around for a long time. And so in the beginning of the church we valued longevity and being around for a long time more than exploding the church, having the biggest church, you know, having the numbers and and being that kind of just church that's blowing up. We didn't want to do that and we didn't follow that and it was uh, it was because of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just that's that's not how I want you to do this. And we we'll begin to see that sometimes the path for blowing up and exploding a church and the path of being around for a long time are two different paths. And sometimes if you, if you wanna have something for a long time and you wanna be around for a long time, you may have to approach it differently. That may be a different path going that direction and we could talk about all the reasons for that for a long, a long time. Uh, sometimes decisions are made that produce short-term, immediate growth, but kill longevity. You know, sometimes we make decisions in life where it's going to produce a quick, immediate result and and that's what we love. But in doing that, we are forsaking the long-term consequences and the long-term result. An example that I've thought about is Circuit City. You know, Circuit City was the largest electronics retailer for years. They were around before Best Buy. And, of course, they're not around today. And it really started in 2007 on one decision that was made. In 2007, to increase growth in the bottom line, the decision was made to fire 3400 of the highest paid employees of the company to cut and save money but in doing so they fired the most experienced and knowledgeable employees as well and within two years every Circuit City store in the world was closed including that big one right across from Target y'all remember that was Circuit City before it was Boot Barn if you hadn't been here for that long but the same thing happens with churches right because you get your eye on the wrong thing so instead of following God and thinking about longevity, what's going to help us last, what's going to help us be around for a long time, what's going to help this church be around after me in the next generation. Okay, what, what's, instead of thinking like that, we think, man, how can we, and I, I hear pastors talk like this all the time. Hey, what do we need to do this year to get the church to 300? What do we need to do this year to get the church to 500? I just want you to know, y'all aren't in the closed door meetings, behind closed doors. That kind of language and talk never enters our thinking or discussions. How can we grow the church? How can we expand? That, that never factors in. What you will hear is, how can we get healthier in this area? How can we get better in this area, how can we improve this area? It's not about reaching a certain number. That's irrelevant. It's what, how do you get healthy, and how do you make decisions that keep us all around for a long time? Look, Pastor Brandon um, and Jamie, they've been with us almost since the church started, uh, maybe a year after, so about 12 years. Do you know how how long most churches have youth pastors? <laughs> it's barely just over two years. They've been here for 13 years. That's special. But it's, it's because of the way that we do things, we lead a ministry that leads to longevity. We have people on the stage for worship that have been serving in that ministry from the beginning because, because they've, they've been around a long time. And that's what we value. We value longevity, not just quick, quick, you know, this. And now, sometimes people look at Jesus' ministry and they think, well, you know, our lives and our ministry should look like Jesus' ministry. And they almost want to model it after Jesus' ministry. But you got to keep this in mind. Jesus' Jesus's ministry was not a ministry of longevity. Jesus' ministry was three years. And there's a pace that you can go at for three years that you can't go at for 40. Right? So Jesus' ministry was a short ministry, and so that's how he did ministry for three years. He was on the road every night. He was moving. He was traveling. He was, he was Basically, he had the, the foot on the gas and pedal to the metal all the way to the floor because he knew it was a short amount of time. It was a three-year ministry. But if churches operated that way, they, they're not going to be around for very long because they're going to leave awake. Of destruction and people that are burned out and people that, that uh, you know have have just burned themselves out uh, because they were just giving 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 so much to the ministry. Well, we we understood and actually have been a part of ministries that were like that, where the people you know if the people suffer and the people burn out. Man, you know, you'll, you, we'll just get we'll get some new ones, but let's just keep going. We got to keep the ministry going, keep the work going, keep the expansion going all the time, pedal to the metal. Well, what happens is you find people that are just completely burned out along the way, and some of those people they never serve in ministry again and never go back to a church again because they're afraid the first time they walk in the door somebody's going to ask them to serve in the children's ministry and they have like PTSD. <laughs> so because we want to have longevity it affects everything. It affects how we schedule volunteers, it affects um, the the rotation that we put people on, it affects the breaks that we take. Some people haven't understood, you know, why we break during the summer. Yeah, we break during the summer to give people a break and give people rest. Why? Because we want to be around for a long time. And we want you to be around for a long time. And, contrary to what a lot of people might think, the church itself, okay, the church building, the church uh, facility is not the center of everybody's life. God is the center of everybody's life, should be the center of everybody's life. But the church building is not the center of everybody's life. Did you know that when the early church got started and long before that, that they, they only had church one, one time a week? on the sabbath they had church there was no sunday night service there was no wednesday night service there was no you know monday night this prayer that there was none of that they they gathered in homes right they had the sabbath on sunday they would meet in church and then they would gather in homes for prayer and fellowship and those types of things but there's been a shift in the american church from actually doing and living the work of the ministry actually living being and doing church Ministry and being the body of Christ to just gathering for more and more experiences and more and more word But that's actually not the purpose of the church is just to gather for more singing and more preaching The purpose of the church is to go out and change the world That's the purpose so the way the early church thought was Yeah, we gather for that weekly encouragement that weekly instruction but then we go out and live it every day after that then we come back at the beginning of the week and we get charged up and then we go out and we live it with passion we build families we build business we build the community with the hope faith and love of Jesus Christ but when you are when you've gotten off mission and you've gotten off passion And you've you've not realized that, hey, church can happen everywhere. The presence of God can be everywhere. Uh, We actually have work to do out there. Then the the mentality of, well, let's gather more, gather more, gather more, gather more. So it becomes very, it can almost become very selfish and very self-serving. Look, I'm all for, obviously, all for gathering, praying, being here. But the real change happens out there as far as in the world. We come here to get changed, so that we can go out there and bring change. That's the the cycle. So this mentality affects everything we do, of longevity uh, and pace, and how we do things. How 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 much pressure we put on ourselves to move with speed and things like that. Proverbs thirteen eleven says, "Wealth gained hastily will dwindle." but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. This applies to ministries as well. It actually applies to a lot of things in our life. But the idea that of, if you get a windfall of money or an inheritance of money, it's likely to dwindle more and more, but whoever gathers little by little will increase because you respect it more and because you built a foundation along the way. Proverbs twenty twenty one says, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Because of the same principle so this shows up in a lot of ways and the decisions we make when we have services when we take breaks how we treat our staff you know giving them days off and vacation time reasonable work hours how we treat our volunteers when we take breaks things like that okay last one that we're going to cover this week is we decided that we would be a church that men love to attend why men well because in most churches women already love to attend church if you look across the church world uh, now this this sometimes refers to a specific type of church but if you take the whole church at large there are a lot of churches that uh, you know it's, it's not a problem to get women to attend church. Women, maybe you just love God more. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're more spiritual. You know, I don't know. You connect to the Lord better. I'm not sure. But <clears throat> it's not really been a problem to get women and children to attend church. But it's been a problem for decades to get men to attend church. So we decided, and there, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think a lot of the reasons are justified. I think a lot of the reasons are very legitimate. Um, But we decided early on that we wanted to be a church that men love to attend. Uh, Doesn't mean we don't want women to love to attend, but like I said, they already love to attend. So we we don't focus as much there. We wanted to be a church that men love to attend. Because we understand the value of men. The value of men leading their homes, leading in the church, leading in the community, leading... In the nation now, please understand, uh, women have those values too, and we're not disparaging that in any way by talking about the, the role of men. It's just what we're talking about this morning. Um, if you if you want to know how I feel about women and the role of women, come on Mother's Day because I hit it hard and good. You know, you could, you could go listen online; it's all on there. But this morning we're going to talk about men specifically. The Bible is filled with men who change the world. If you go read your Bible from cover to cover. It is filled cover to cover with men who changed the world. All 66 books were written by men. All 12 disciples and apostles were men. And remember, God chose this. God chose, God ordained that all 66 books of the Bible would be written by men. He chose that all 12 of the apostles would be men and that they would lead the church after that. God chose this from the very beginning. God gave men a gift and a calling of leadership. Do they fail miserably at that sometimes? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Can, can anybody who's got that gift use it for their selfish reasons and destroy and hurt people? Yeah, absolutely, of course. But men, by default and by the nature of being created by God, are called to lead and are called to have authority and walk in that authority and lead from that place of authority, and if you haven't noticed in our nation, there is a there is a movement to move away from that. If you have your eyes open and you you see, you could pay attention. And this goes back a long time. And and I don't think there's any, um, you know, I don't I don't think there's any like conspiracy theory behind it, anything like that. I don't think that there's any one person that's behind it. Remember, our fight is not with flesh and blood but there is a spiritual force behind it and if you go all the way back to the eighties you can start to see in some of my favorite favorite cartoons favorite shows favorite thing that will come on the dad is always a complete moron and the wife and the children and even the dog are brilliant always have the answers always know everything and dad is just the big bumbling you know Homer Simpson of an idiot and uh, that just that went on for for decades yeah, that's, that's America's idea of men, is Homer Simpson. Well, God has more for them than that. God has more for us than that. Amen. Amen. Um, so this is a big conversation. I'm not saying that plenty of men don't use the, the gift that God's given them for selfish reasons. But listen, this is also an attack of, the, of, of Satan, is to make men passive to make men passive where they do not lead, they do not use that courage and that boldness and that strength that God has given them to stand up and be the men that they're called to be. Um, But this calling comes from God. So men are called and gifted by God for leadership, and when men are not in their place, the home suffers, the church suffers, the community suffers, and the nation suffers. And I think one of the problems that we have in our nation right now is because men are not standing up against some of the nonsense and silliness and foolishness that we have going on in our nation because I know men and some of the stupid things that I hear being said there's a lot of men that are in decision-making places that are sitting in the back and in their mind they're going that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard but they're not open in this and doing anything about it so the nation suffers when men are not in their role this is a statistics I I came across in studying this a while ago, it says when a mother comes to faith in Christ first, the rest of her family follows 17% of the time but when a father comes to faith in Christ the family follows 93% of the time why? because it's a God ordained system it's a God set up system Men, if you do not lead in your home, I don't care what the reason is, I don't care what the reason is, if you don't lead, your family will suffer. If you don't lead, you will be accountable to God for it. You go, well, you know, my wife is, is better at leading or you know, whatever excuse you have. I just want you to understand that it's a calling on your life and that calling is from God it and it doesn't matter what culture thinks it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks it's it's a calling from God and so you have to step into that role of leadership and what's it supposed to look like the Bible tells us it's supposed to look like the life and ministry of Jesus it says as Christ is the head of the church so the husband is head of the wife in other words men should be leading as Christ le- leads and if you look at how Christ leads, it's out of love. Of course, there are men that are, I'm not, I don't want to disparage anybody, but of course there are men that they, they, they're selfish, they're full of sin, they're looking at porn, they're all over the place, they're, they're destroying their own life, and then, oh yeah, they want to be in the leadership position. Well, that, ha- that doesn't look anything like Jesus, because Jesus' love and leadership was a sacrificial leadership. And if you want to lead, then you first have to make yourself qualified to lead. And you have to first be a follower of Christ and a, and a man of character and a man of integrity. And then you lead from that position. But no, you, you, don't get to ju- you, don't, you don't get to have your whole life out of order and you're full of lies and deception and perversion. And oh, I, I'm the leader, follow me. Well, let's get some things straight in our life first. Amen. But it still is the calling of God. And the statistics show it. The number one problem plaguing the black community is fatherlessness. It's the number one issue. And an absence of men. And it's not just one race or group. Many problems in the world can be tracked back to a passive man and a man that has not fulfilled his position. Isn't it funny how? Uh, they're, they're, you know, sometimes you hear something like this and, and you got a lot of men going, oh, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be leaders. Yeah, we want to be in the leadership. But then when we start going, well, yeah, but every problem in the world can be tracked back to a passive man or a man. Not, it's, then it's like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Well, that's what leadership is. If you want to be in leadership, then you bear the responsibility. That's the whole point. Of course, we could only want to take the sides. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I, I get to lead. Well, yeah, then that means everything's your fault as well that's what leadership is so why is it that we had to focus on this well again a lot of churches weren't speaking to these issues and a lot of churches when you walk in quite frankly uh, a lot of churches I was part of when you walk in it looks like a funeral home there's flowers everywhere there's really, you know, soft, light paint, pink everywhere and painting. And it just, yeah, of course, when men walk in, they're like, I don't want to be here. It feels like somebody died. I don't, this isn't, you know. So, yeah, I'm, when you walk in One Life, I understand it looks overly manly. There are no flowers. There are no soft pink paintings. When you walk in, there's a gigantic brick wall, right? It just hits you right in the face when you walk in. There's the the coffee shop. Yeah, I understand. It's it's not a very feminine place, but ladies, please understand. It's because we thought you could handle it. Okay. (laughs) We knew that you already love coming to church. All right. So we said, look, let's, let's make this a place that men enjoy to come. And one of the greatest pleasures that I've seen as a pastor, one of my favorite experiences to have as a pastor is when I see a woman come to church with her children without her husband. And after about three months, I see him pop in usually one Sunday and doesn't come back and then a few weeks later I see him pop in again and in a few weeks it doesn't come back and then for long I see him every Sunday sitting right next to his wife and right next to his family it's it's one of the greatest experiences that I have as a pastor and I see it all the time and it's why we focus on it we focus on it because we believe that church is not just for women it's for men and women it's for the whole family and we want to focus on that by the way I don't I, I rarely see it the other way around unless there's a divorce or something like that There's not a woman in the picture and a, and a husband just bring a, a father just brings his kids to church but I, I don't I can't think of one time uh, and, and if I'm wrong somebody can tell me later but I haven't I can't remember one time where I've seen a father come with his kids and the mom just sits at home and then later she's come I can't think of one time that I've seen that but I've seen it the other way around very very often. You see this a lot in Scripture, this kind of uh, assumed position that men have. 2 Timothy 2, Paul is talking to Timothy and he tells Timothy, he says, look, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what he's explaining is this process of multiplication and how the church grows he said Paul tells Timothy what I've imparted to you I want you to find other faithful men that you can impart it to and then they can impart it to others and it's just a multiplication process that goes on and this is the calling of men but for so long whether intentionally or unintentionally churches have pushed men to the side uh, and not maybe overtly but not realize the the value of men And uh, and got them plugged in and got them involved where they need to be. As we, uh, well, I'll just mention a few other things on this forward. We're we're almost done this morning. Uh, You know, this affects a lot of things in the church. It affects how we think about a lot of things. It affects even how we worship. I mean, I mean, we, we actually talked to the worship team and asked them to consider and think about when we pick songs, how will a man feel singing this song in church? That, that's actually part of the discussion when we are picking what songs get, get sung is how will a man feel singing this song in church? Because there are certain songs that women might feel comfortable singing that a man just doesn't. I could start singing a few right now. But we kind of joke. Sometimes and call them Jesus is my boyfriend songs, songs that's like very, very, like overly intimate, you know, like I'm not going to say the word. I'm not, I'm not going to start singing. I could. I would embarrass myself. But there's some songs like that. And look, I'm not against that. I'm not against that. But when you sing them in church that can make some people uncomfortable because they, they don't have that level of intimacy with God and so it feels very strange like being forced to sing a song that's like we're all super close and we're not um, so there's a there's a line like there's an element where you just got to get over it and we can't adjust to that you know completely but I'm just letting you know it does enter our thinking it does it does play a part in it so we value men we value their role in the church and and it's something that we are very <clears throat> intentional about so just briefly to uh, revisit and go over these number one uh... we decided that we would exist to please God number two we decided that we wanted to be along uh, around for a long time and number three we decided that we would be a church that men love to attend. Now this is all just part little, little glimpse into the church culture that I felt like we wanted to address. We could probably list 10 of these but and we may, some of them may come out throughout the series but look as we go through this series what I want and hope happens in you is that you can begin to see one life from a different perspective. Maybe get insight into some things of why we do things the way we do, why we lead the way we do, Why our church is the way that it is, and you can get a better understanding of that to appreciate it, and value it, and support it, and uh, find your place. Find your place in the church, and let God use you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. This.